Have you heard the great news? We can now resume normal activities. And I'm not talking about the new CDC guidelines. I'm talking about the tiger is no longer on the loose in Houston. He's been caught. Praise God. You're safe. You can go outside again. You see, last Sunday, Jose Ramos looked out his window and saw a full-grown Bengal tiger in his front yard. He notified authorities and police caught the suspect who owned the tiger, but they didn't find the tiger until last night. The tiger made a fatal mistake. He didn't come to Woodlands Church. You see, we have a wild boar problem at the Woodlands campus. I mean, we have these wild pigs. Do you have some of those come around your yard? You know, but they eat up our flowers and all these things. They're always all around. We have to trap them and send them out. Um, but the tiger could have come here and had all-you-can-eat pork chops. And I would have protected him, taken care of him. Uh, can you imagine waking up and seeing a full-grown Bengal tiger in your front yard? It's pretty crazy. On June 30th, 2017, a resident of Baraboo, Wisconsin, woke up to see an 8,000-pound elephant roaming the neighborhood. They called county dispatch, and police were there within minutes, and they had the elephant back in its compound at the Circus World Museum in 40 minutes. That's because law enforcement in Baraboo, Wisconsin, has been trained and has a protocol in place for handling runaway elephants. Baraboo is known as Circus City. It's the home of the Ringling Brothers. And for years, the circus and all its animals would winter there in Baraboo, Wisconsin. And now they have the Circus World Museum as a tribute to their circus history. So if you're watching online from Baraboo, Wisconsin, just be glad to know your local police department is prepared to handle an 8,000-pound elephant if it appears in your front yard. It's good to know. And we're starting this new series that we're calling the elephant in the room, as we're gonna look at some of the big issues that most people aren't prepared to handle. And that's because these are issues that we don't talk about nearly enough. And today we're gonna to talk about the twin elephants of anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression are elephants that can invade anyone's room at any time. It doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, in fact, a study came out that said the wealthier you are, the more likely you are to experience depression. And there are times that we all experience anxiety or depression. But this last year, the elements of anxiety and depression have been running wild. In a recent survey, 42% of Americans said this last year they struggled greatly with anxiety or depression. The year before the pandemic, only 11% of Americans said they struggled greatly with depression or anxiety. And young people, especially today, we're seeing are struggling with depression or anxiety. Great people have struggled with anxiety and depression. Churchill, Tolstoy, Lincoln. Godly people have struggled with depression and anxiety. Great heroes of the Bible, Moses, Jeremiah, Job, and the hero we're going to talk about today, Elijah. Elijah struggled with anxiety and depression, something I've struggled with in my life, and it's probably been the thing that God's used more than any other thing 
to grow me deeper in my love for him and strengthen my faith? You see, we're gonna look at a passage today where we see Elijah, this great man of God, sinking into a cave of depression. And before this, we see he was coming off a mountaintop experience. God had told Elijah to call all the people of Israel together on Mount Carmel because there was going to be a showdown between the prophets of the idol Baal and Elijah, the prophet of the one true God. The people of Israel had turned away from loving God with all their heart and they'd mixed idol worship with the worship of the Lord. And when all Israel had gathered at Mount Carmel, Elijah announces this is going to be a trial by fire. So all the prophets of Baal, which was just a vile form of idol worship that they'd picked up from the culture around them, it involved cutting, it involved self-harm to try to get the god Baal to pay attention. But they built an altar to their God and They prayed for fire to fall and nothing happened. And then Elijah built an altar to the one true God and he prayed for fire from heaven and the fire fell. It consumed the altar. The wicked prophets of Baal were killed. The people started turning back to God. It was this huge victory. But Elijah didn't have time to celebrate it. Wicked queen Jezebel hears about it. She sends a note to Elijah and says, you killed my prophets of Baal. You will be dead within 24 hours. I swear to you, you're gonna be dead within 24 hours because I'm gonna kill you. Elijah is instantly flooded with anxiety and fear, and he runs off in fear as far away from Jezebel as he can run. Finally, he's exhausted physically, emotionally, he's just worn out, and he sinks into a deep depression. And he basically says, God, I'm done. I'm a failure. My whole life has been a waste. It's all been useless I just want to die. And God sends an angel to give him something to eat. And he gets a little bit of strength back and he just runs further until he finds a cave. And there in a cave of depression, he withdraws. Now, why was Elijah depressed? Because he wasn't a strong believer? No. Because he didn't have much faith? No. He had amazing faith. He was a really strong believer and a great man of God, one of the great heroes of the Bible. And I say this because some Christians, when they experience anxiety, depression, panic attacks, they feel guilty. They think, I shouldn't feel this way. If I loved God more, I wouldn't feel this way. And unfortunately, there are some other Christians who will come alongside them and say, you shouldn't feel this way. If you loved God more, you'd be happy. And that's just not true. Some of the greatest Christ followers of all time have struggled with depression and anxiety. Now, I wanna say right off that depression and anxiety are multifaceted. Sometimes there's a physiological component to it. Some people suffer from depression or anxiety because of a chemical imbalance in the brain. Usually, it's a lack of serotonin. Serotonin is what I call the happy messengers to the brain that tell the body to relax, or to feel good, and some people just have a shortage of these happy messengers, and that's why it's so important when you're going through depression or anxiety that that you, if you get stuck in that, you wanna make sure that you go to a doctor, a Christian psychiatrist, a Christian counselor, 
so they can give you guidance because they're medicines that boost serotonin. Um, one time I had a person come up to me and say, if you're a Christian, you should never take medicine for anxiety or depression. And I said, well, if your body didn't produce insulin, you'd be diabetic, and if you're a diabetic, then wouldn't you take insulin? And if your body doesn't produce enough serotonin and medicine can help, wouldn't you take that? So there's a physiological aspect for some people. Some people have a chemical imbalance, but there's always a spiritual aspect to it for everyone. And maybe you have both a chemical imbalance and and the spiritual side because we're a spiritual creation, or maybe it's just that spiritual side. Everyone goes through depression at times and anxiety at times, and so you've got to deal. If it's both, you've got to deal with both. If it's just that spiritual aspect, then you've got to deal with that because that's really the most important part because you're a spiritual creation. So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings because we're gonna see how God treats Elijah's depression, and it's pretty amazing. We have a God that is amazing, a God whose wisdom we can't even comprehend. And so would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, and I wanna welcome all of you who are worshiping with us at our satellite campuses, everyone worshiping with us in our broadcast ministry or online ministry around the world, and all you guys here in the Woodlands, and it's so great to see your smiling faces, and, and I just wanna say that if you're connecting with us online and you're in the Houston area, you need to be in church now. It's time, there are no, excuse, no more excuses. Maybe you just got out of the habit, but you need to be here. Now, I know many of you are worshiping online, you know, on the other side of the world and all over the United States, all over the world, and that's awesome. We're one church built on the word of God, but it's so important to gather together and we've missed connection, and now we're getting connected again. And we don't take it for granted anymore, and I'm so grateful. So just follow along with me, because Elijah is in this cave of depression. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and they've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahala, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Dear God, I, I just pray today that you would speak to us so clearly in that gentle whisper in our hearts that we would all know, everyone within the sound of my voice would know that you're real. 
Not only that you are real, God, but that you know what we're going through and you care about us. And Lord, I know that every one of us have gone through anxiety or depression. Some are going through it, Lord, and the dark clouds of depression are just hovering over them and and just don't seem to dissipate. But Lord, I know that you care about us, and I know that you'll see us through. And I know everyone has someone in our lives that is going through it, and, and Lord, we need this message so desperately. We need your word so desperately, so speak directly to us with your gentle whisper and bring your healing power in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Now with Elijah here, we see that there are times when we're more vulnerable to anxiety and depression, and we have to be aware of those times so we can be prepared for those times. We gotta be aware that there's potential for the elephant to be in the room, and when we're most vulnerable to the elephant being in the room, so we'll be prepared. First is physical fatigue. You know, Elijah had just run 18 miles, and marathon runners tell us that the 18-mile mark is the wall, where they hit that wall and feel like they can't go on any further, and they just have to push through that wall. Elijah was emotionally and physically just worn out, and he sinks into this depression. And when you're really tired emotionally, physically, you're more susceptible to depression or anxiety. And it's so important to get that rest and to realize those times when you're really tired, you're gonna be more susceptible to it so you can be more prepared for it. Then there's what I call the after the mountaintop valley. Elijah is coming off this mountaintop experience, this great victory, the greatest victory of his life. He should have been spiking the football, doing a celebration dance in the end zone, but instead, he goes into the desert of depression. It seems so strange. He's just come off the greatest victory of his life, and then he, boom, goes from the mountaintop to the valley instantly. But there is this pattern that you need to be aware of because this happens often, going from the mountaintop to the valley instantly. There's a pattern that is predictable that most people don't recognize that depression can often hit after a mountaintop experience. For example, the joy of childbirth can be followed by postpartum depression. Even in sporting events where, you know, a team plays their big rival, the game they're looking forward to, and they win the big game, and then the next week, oftentimes they get crushed because there's a natural low after the big high. Psychologists call this post-adrenaline depression. It's what pastors face every single Monday, post-adrenaline depression. Yeah, I I try not to make any big decisions on Monday uh, because, you know, on the weekend, God is moving and it's so busy and there's so much going on and and that adrenaline fills your body and then on Monday it just kind of all drains out and so I try not to make any big decisions on Monday. I've had this policy for years because I don't have a great perspective and, and I just use Monday to rest and to recharge, to get my perspective back. You're more susceptible after the mountaintop. But then constant problems makes you more susceptible. Elijah had a constant barrage of problems. Queen Jezebel wasn't a big deal. It's just that she was just one more problem 
has had been hit with so many problems, problem after problem after problem. We all know that little problems look like big problems when they're one more problem. When you're going through a series of problems, it's easy to lose perspective. And then feeling alone makes you more susceptible. Elijah felt like he was the only one in the world who was going through what he was going through. It's one of Satan's biggest lies, though. He wants to tell you the only one in the world going through what you're going through. And when you start feeling that way, you start believing that lie, that you're the only one, you feel all alone. And and the isolation that so many have gone through recently have really added to depression. This isolation, we need each other. You were made for community. And that's why church family is so important. But you know, you can be in a crowd and feel the loneliness of the soul if you feel like no one really knows what you're going through. So I want us to look at how God treated and helped Elijah face his depression. First, God uses your greatest struggle to get your attention. God always uses your greatest struggle to get your attention. God used Isaiah's, or Elijah's struggle with depression to get his attention and to deepen his faith. Look at 1 Kings 19, 11. It says, then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by. Focus on that phrase, at attention before God. The struggles that bring me to the end of myself change my focus. The struggles that bring me to the end of myself Help me find God's strength. Because it's in those struggles that God gets my attention. We rarely change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. It's the pain that really changes our perspective and gets us to look to God. God uses your greatest struggles to get your attention. Look at verse 11, the second part of the verse. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountain and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. So God sends a hurricane force wind. And God didn't speak to Elijah through the powerful wind, but he used it to get his attention. And sometimes it's the hurricane force winds of change that slam into all of our lives that shatter our security and make us look to God. Sometimes God uses the hurricane force winds of change to batter into our lives. And it just kind of destroys everything that we're trusting in. And we see how shaky life is without the one solid rock, and it gets us to look to God. God uses our struggles to get our attention. We'll look at the next part of verse 11. After the wind and earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. So after the wind, the ground starts shaking under Elijah's feet, and there's this huge earthquake, but God didn't speak to Elijah in the earthquake, but he used it to get his attention, and God always uses the earthquakes of life to get our attention. When the ground starts to crack beneath our feet, and what we're trusting in, we find out it was faulty all along, and it starts to crumble. Then we can look to the only rock that will never crumble. God uses the earthquakes of life to get our attention. God uses our struggles to shake us, break us, so that he can bless us. Sometimes God allows the earthquake of anxiety or depression into our lives to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we can finally find his strength completely. 
I know that's what God did in my life. You know, I told this story many times, but I think it's important for me to tell it again because someone needs to hear it. And every time I tell it, I know that God uses it in a powerful way to make people feel like they're not alone. You see, it was 20 years ago at Woodland Church, I was preaching on a Sunday, and right in the middle of the message, the room began to spin, and I got dizzy, and I felt like I was about to faint. And I said, folks, I think I've got to sit down. I feel sick. And a lot of people just laughed because they thought we were getting ready to do some skit or a video or something, and and it was just a joke. And I go, no, really, I got to sit down. I, I feel awful. So I went and sat down by my wife on the front row, and and the music team came up and just started making stuff up. I think they were they did Stairway to Heaven a couple of times. It was crazy, you know. People loved it. And so, and after a couple of songs, I started feeling a little better. So I came back up and I just kind of held on to the podium and I finished the message. And then in the next service, Chris helped me with a message. We did it together. And then on Monday, I got some doctor's appointments and thought, what in the world was that? Was I just have the flu or something? But I better get checked out. And so I went through all these tests and everything came back that I was fine. But then the next weekend, when I got up to preach, it started happening again. And, and, and I just held on to the podium and I thought, I was thinking all this while I was preaching. Um, I thought, I'm about to faint right up here in front of everyone. I just kept preaching, thinking that. What am I going to do? And I actually thought, you know, some churches you get credit for something like that. You know, you fall out and they go, whoa, he was slain in the spirit today. Man, Pastor Kerry had the Holy Ghost all over him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. Never seen anything like it. He was out for 30 minutes. God raised him back up. And he crawled off the stage. Unbelievable. And I'm thinking, I don't know that it's going to go over like that. You know, I'm just thinking all this crazy stuff in my head and I'm just holding on. And I'm just praying, God, help me get through it. And I got through it. And God worked powerfully. And then it's like, who else can I go to to find out what's going on with me? And, you know, I kept getting tests done. And, and week after week, I would just kind of stand there and, and hold on and just get through the message. The amazing thing is God grew, grew our church powerfully. I mean, God worked powerfully, miracle after miracle, life change after life change. Church was exploding with growth. And it's like, God, and every week, instead of praying, God, really use me. I was just praying, God, help me not faint. Help me get through this. Help me somehow. And, and God used it more than just about anything else in my life to get me to just, God, I need you. I need you desperately to strengthen my faith. And, and then finally, I told a friend about my symptoms, and he said, oh, that's just classic panic attacks. You're just having panic attacks. You got an anxiety disorder. I go, no. I love Jesus, and I don't worry. You know, I'm not a worrier. What? Anxiety? No, I mean, I'm pretty chill. I don't have anxiety. I mean, no, I don't worry about anything. But in everything, I pray and give thanks. And he goes, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you probably got a chemical imbalance that, you know, maybe not enough serotonin, whatever it is, but it, and it's really hit and you're depleted and, and, you know, it just causes all kinds of physical issues and everything. And but it's anxiety. I, I just don't think so because, you know, I mean, I, I don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm okay, you know? I trust God. I love God. And then I began to think about it. I thought, you know, maybe that is. That's probably what it is. And I, 
and I called my dear friend, Dr. Paul, a Christian psychiatrist, um, who is now on our church staff, just for me, made with him every day. He's full-time, gets a lot of overtime. But anyway, uh, no, he heads up all our counseling ministry, and he heads up all of our restoration ministry. Just amazing stuff is going on at Woodlands Church. But I called him, and I told him what I was going through, and he said, oh, that's just classic panic attacks. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's what it is. And he said, yeah, you know, just... Come see me, and you may need some medicine. Uh, you definitely will go through some different things to help you learn about this and deal with this, and, and that was life-changing. Um, and God has given me just great healing over the last 20 years. I still experience some of that, but not nearly like that. Um, as God continues to bring great healing and and great strength in that area. But it's something I still struggle with at times, something I still deal with at times. You know, every time I tell this story, God really uses it. You know, so one time I had someone come up to me and say, Pastor Kerry, thank you for sharing that. That just meant so much that you really struggle with anxiety because, um, man, you know, I thought I was screwed up, but now that I know you're screwed up like that, I just feel so much better about myself. I go, it's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm here to encourage you. My struggles can encourage you. That's wonderful. But it's really true to know that, hey, I'm not in this alone, and every one of us have struggles. I don't know what your struggles are, but God will use your greatest struggle to get your attention. And I want you to look at the last part of that verse Really, it moves on to verse 12. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. God didn't speak to Elijah through the fire, but the flames got his attention. And sometimes it's the flame of failure that God uses to get our attention. When everything we're trusting in is burned away and our pride has burned off and we're sitting in the ashes of our own mistakes, there's no place else to look but up and look to God. And maybe you've gone through a huge failure lately. Or maybe you've experienced an earthquake that's just shaken the foundation of your life and you see that it's faulty and starting to crumble. Or maybe it's the winds of change that have slammed into your life and you're really having trouble finding your footing. That's the love of God. He's getting your attention. He's getting your attention because he wants you to come to the end of yourself so you can experience all of him but he doesn't leave you there. God uses a gentle whisper to call you close. You see in verse 12, it says, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. God didn't speak to Elijah through the hurricane and the earthquake and the fire. No, he spoke to him in a gentle whisper. And to speak to someone in a whisper, you have to be close to them or have a microphone in your hand. To speak to someone in a whisper, you got to get real close to them. God was close to Elijah in his depression. You see, when Elijah ran into the desert of depression, God didn't say, well, good riddance. Man, you should be praising me for what I just did for you. Instead of running in fear from this one woman who says she's going to kill you, I mean, you're running in fear now? Go on. That's great. If you want to be depressed, just be depressed. 
No, God followed him into the desert. He followed him every step of the way. He followed him into the cave of depression and withdrawal. And he was right there with him, and he was close to him, and he whispered to him. And that whisper draws Elijah out of the cave. And I just want you to know, if you're in the cave of depression, God is in it with you. If you're going through the dark clouds of depression and you feel like they're never going to lift, and maybe you've gone to doctors, maybe you've gone to counselors, and and some of it has helped some, but yet it it seems like it it never gets quite right and it just comes right back, and, and you're just going through it over and over again, and you're wondering why God is allowing this. And just know this. God is in it with you. He's never left you. Maybe it feels like he's a million miles away, but he's right there with you. And God still has a purpose and he still has a plan. And it's his gentle whisper. He tells you, I love you. I know where you're at. I followed you every step of the way and I will see you through. Look at the next verse. It says, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah didn't come out of the cave when he saw the power of God. He came out of the cave when he heard the gentle whisper of God. And it draws him closer to God. God draws close to him and whispers. Elijah comes closer to God. And God doesn't condemn Elijah. He doesn't say, buck up, get happy. Look at all the blessings that I've given you. I'm so offended that you're depressed. I can't believe it. What are you thinking, man? Get out of that cave. No, God just asked him a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? God knew the answer to the question, but he wanted Elijah to face where he was and how he got there. He wanted him to look back at the path that it took for him to get there and to face up to that depression, and that's really helpful to do, to realize it and not just keep moving forward. What are you doing here? Maybe he's asking you that. What are you doing here? in this place of anxiety, in this place of hurt, in this place of depression. What are you doing here? And then Elijah just pours it out on God. He just says, well, everything's awful. My life is awful. Everything's bad. My whole life's a waste. They've killed all the prophets. I'm the only one going through what I'm going through. I'm the only one left, and I just want to die. It's worthless. Don't you get it, God? He just pours it out on God, and God doesn't stop him. I love this about God. God just lets him pour it all out, and God can take it. He loves him. He just lets him pour it all out. He didn't say, whoa, 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 wait a minute there. What you said there was theologically incorrect. I'm gonna correct you on that one. Yeah, that's wrong. No, you have a terrible perspective. You can't see the big picture. I see the eternal picture. I'm a lot smarter than you. He just lets him pour it all out, and he gets it all out, and God whispers to him. Three things that God will whisper to you in the middle of your struggle, and God wants to whisper to you today these three things, and if you get nothing else, please hear these things in your heart because our God is whispering these things right now in your heart. The first thing that he whispers to Elijah is, I'm not finished with you yet. Elijah, I'm not finished with you yet. You feel like it's all over. 
This is the end, that your life is a failure. But in verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. He was saying, go back to your purpose. Go back to your purpose in life because I'm not finished with you yet. And no depression is gonna derail my purpose. He says, I want you to go back and appoint Elisha. His name sounds like your name because he's a lot like you. He's gonna be your successor. You're going to mentor him. He's gonna become your best friend and you're gonna have someone who gets it, who knows what you're going through and what you experience and you're gonna leave a legacy that will outlast you. Your life has a purpose, so get back to it. Get back to your purpose. Get out of the cave. Get back to your purpose because I'm not finished with you yet. This failure is not final. I'm not finished with you yet. So get back up. I have a purpose for you. And it's interesting that his purpose was focusing on others, focusing on someone else, mentoring someone else. That's really important because when you're in depression or anxiety, the first thing you want to do is just withdraw and get away from people, but that's usually the opposite of what you need to do. You need to begin investing in others, begin making a difference in the lives of others. Now, you think, wait a minute, I can't do that. I mean, I'm going through all this. I've got too many problems of my own. But God wants you to be in community because in community is where healing takes place. And so it's so important to get around others and be connected in a church family. God wants you to be connected. God wants you to be serving others. That helps so much to serve others. Get your eyes off yourself and onto others and helping others. Getting back to your purpose in life. Doing something with your one and only life that's going to outlast you is so important. And so God says to Elijah and to you, I'm not finished with you yet. God, you can never use me again after all my failures. And God says, I'm not finished with you yet. I still have a purpose. I still have a plan for your life. The second thing God whispers to you is you're not alone in your pain. You are not alone. In verse 18, God says, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all of whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. He's saying, Elijah, I know you feel like you're the only one who's going through what you're going through, but it's just not true. There are 7,000 others who are going through exactly what you're going through. 7,000 others who are standing strong right now. You're not alone in your pain. And the devil's biggest lie is that you're the only one going through the struggle you're going through. You're the only one who's failed like you have failed. You're the only one who's experiencing what you're experiencing. You're the only one who's going through the loss and the pain that you're going through. Everyone else is happy. I can't be around those happy people. Everyone else is happy. No, every person carries a hidden hurt. And in a church our size, I guarantee you, there are a lot of other people who are going through the same struggle you're going through or they've already gone through it. That's the great advantage of having a large church family. I guarantee you, there are others who are going through exactly what you're going through. You need to get connected with them. Get connected through our ministries, through our counseling, through the things that we have here at Woodland Church. You need to join the church. If you haven't joined Woodland Church and you've been coming to Woodland Church, it's God's will for you to join a local church. You ought to pick one and join one. And if you're here, you probably ought to join here. Today at one o'clock from one to three, we have our membership class. 
and that's how you join Woodland Church. It's time for you to do that. You need community. So many times we think we're too busy for community, but community was what you were made for, to be in communion with God and others. It's so important. It's where healing takes place in community. If you didn't sign up for the membership class, it's at all of our campuses at one o'clock, and it's okay. You just be here at one o'clock, we feed you, we have childcare, everything. Don't miss it today. The third thing, well, first I wanted to say too, we're gonna have our prayer warriors, we're gonna have our prayer team out at the fountain today, right after the service, and if you need prayer for any struggle you're going through, they're there. I mean, sometimes when you just say it to someone, who you know will be confidential. You just say it to them and they pray for you. There's something powerful about that and God answers prayers, but just telling someone else, knowing that you're not alone in it is so important. Maybe you need to go to the prayer fountain today and ask someone to pray for for you for what you're going through. Or maybe you need to come to one of our counselors. We have an amazing lay counselor ministry. Maybe you need to just get connected to a counselor at Woodland Church, and God can use that so powerfully. But there's a last thing that God says to you today. You will get through this. You will get through this. That's what God was saying to Elijah all through it. You will get through this, Elijah. This is not the end. You will get through this depression. You will get through this problem. You will get through this pain. Is there something you're going through that you think you'll never get through. Maybe it's the dark clouds of depression that just seem to constantly hang over you and never dissipate. Maybe it's the earthquake of anxiety that seems to hit you at unexpected times and you can't control it or fix it. Or maybe it's just a deep hurt that it seems like you'll never be able to heal from. Or maybe it's the same problem in your marriage over and over and over again and you feel like we'll never figure this out, we'll never get through this. God says to you today, you will get through this. With my power, you will get through this. Now, how can I say that God says you will get through this? Because if you're a Christ follower, he'll go through it with you. In Isaiah 43, 2, God says to you, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. If you're a Christ follower, whatever you go through in life, he will go through it with you. And that's why I can say, you will get through this. God will get you through this. He will walk through it with you. It won't be painless. It may not be overnight, but you will get through this. How do I know that? Because if you're a Christ follower, your struggles won't last, but you will. Your struggles aren't gonna last forever, but you will, because you're made for eternity. You're going to outlast your struggles. And God says you will get through this, and some of you needed to hear that today. Because you feel like you're going through something you're never gonna get through, and I'm saying to you, God says you will get through this, because he's gonna walk through it with you wherever you go, if it's through the cave of depression, if it's in an earthquake of anxiety, whatever it is, whatever your struggle is, God says you will get through this. 
with my power and my strength. I want us to bow our heads because God is bringing great healing this weekend, bringing healing in the deepest places and the deepest wounds of our lives, bringing healing in the loneliness of the soul, bringing healing physically and emotionally and and really, it's not about that. It's just about connecting with him. He loves us so much that the greatest gift is his presence, and he's here right now. Everyone within the sound of my voice, I know that God is right there right now, and he knows what you're going through, and he's followed you every step of the way. And in his gentle whisper, he says to you, I love you. I died for you. I will see you through. Dear Lord, we come before you today and we just ask you, Lord, to let us feel your presence. I know there's some, Lord, who are going through a depression that's so deep and dark that it just feels like you're nowhere around. And, and Lord, they've tried so many things. And, and for some reason, Lord, you continue to allow it. But I know you'll never leave them. You're right there. You're so close, Lord, and in your gentle whisper, just let them know that you're going to see them through. I pray, Lord, for those who just gone through a failure and they feel like it's over. Let them know that, no, the story's not written yet. Help them give the pen to you, Lord, so you can write the rest of the story because you have a purpose and you're not finished with them yet. Lord, I pray for those today who feel totally alone. They feel like they're the only one going through what they're going through that no one else really could understand. Let them know that's just a lie from the enemy. Lord, and you know what they're going through, even if no one else did. You know, you care, and you're right there for them. Lord, speak to every one of our hearts as only you can speak. Bring healing and strength as only you can bring it. And Lord, we thank you for your presence that it's your presence that makes all the difference. It's our relationship with you, and Lord, I thank you that that is enough, that you're enough, that you're all we need. And I pray for those who feel like today they've lost everything. Let them know that they're in a great place to find everything, because you are everything. And I pray for those who've never received you, Lord, They've never found this gift of a relationship with you that they would right now just pray this prayer silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, as best I know how, I put my faith in you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me and come into my life through your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. Be the Lord of my life. I accept your free gift of heaven one day and salvation. Lord, I can't save myself, so I... Just receive your salvation. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life, and he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And we want to know about it. If you did that online, just click raise my hand to receive Christ. we got pastors online to help you. If you prayed at one of our campuses, just tell one of our pastors or one of our ministry team leaders, and just let them know. We want to help you grow in your faith. And then don't forget about the membership class today at one o'clock. It's gonna be amazing. Now we're at the point of our service where we give back to God some of what he has given us. And right now we're not passing the offering baskets. 
but we take our offering because it's part of our worship. And so the way we do that is you just take out your smartphone. So everyone take out your smartphone right now. And by the way, if you don't have the Will and Church app, you ought to put that on because that's the sermon notes for today, the bulletins, everything, all the activities at Woodland Church, devotionals, all that is on there. It's awesome. Um, but you don't have to download the app to give. All you have to do is take your smartphone and text the word Give WC to 77977. Give WC to 77977. And it goes to the Push Pay app and you can give and, and make it recurrent. Or if you're at home, you can go to wc.org slash give and you can give online that way and get it set up and it's secure. You can also give on your way out at the offering boxes or, or you can mail in your gift. There are a lot of ways to give, but give. And give because you love God. And you also need to pray for God to multiply those gifts because we are stretching to make such a difference in our area and around the world. We have so many local missions now with all the needs, and we've continued all of our missions around the world as well because we know God has called us to do that. One of our missions I mentioned recently was our mission to India where we have a a ministry that takes women out of human trafficking and then teaches them literacy and, and school so that they can get a job. And then we've also planted hundreds of churches in India. And as you know, we're doing great over here with COVID, but in India, it's just um, out of control and the hospitals are run out of room and people are dying for lack of oxygen. And, and so one of the things we're doing for all of our pastors is uh, we're paying for all of our pastors to get vaccinated and making sure that they have the, the, the vaccine there for them so they can keep doing ministry in the middle of all this while many of the the people are dying all around them. We want them to be healthy and strong. So uh, for our several hundred pastors, we're making sure they get vaccinated and giving them extra money to do that and to meet their needs in that way. And so pray for them though. It's right in the middle of just craziness, but God works through it all. I want us to stand right now and I want us to sing because God is here. And here's the amazing thing. He knows what you need. You don't even have to ask. He knows what you need before you ask. And and sometimes we're looking for all these things from God and all we need is God. We want Jesus to do all these things for us and we kind of got a list when really all we need is Jesus because he meets our deepest needs. Nothing else can meet your deepest needs but Jesus Christ. A relationship with him is what it's all about. A real relationship with Jesus. Not religion, but a relationship. And I want us to sing this song and just let God move on your heart and whisper into your heart. Let him bring his joy, his purpose, his healing, and his strength that just comes from his presence. And if you're a Christ follower, he's in your life and he'll never leave you. And just sing this to him, and I believe with all my heart, God is gonna speak to you in your heart in that gentle whisper in your heart as you feel his presence and realize nothing else can take the place of Jesus Christ. Not even all the things he does for you. It's just that he loves you and he's right there for you. Nothing else. Let's sing. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. 
For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.